This is episode number 60 of Unfolding Words. The grass ain't always greener. Learning to trust what God has for you. Welcome. My name is Antracia Moorings, and this is my weekly podcast where I share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. I am so glad you're here today. I hope you're enjoying your summer. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis, y'all, not just because it's full of riveting drama, but for the fact that God's character and his ways are so clearly seen in how he deals with his people. So I'm going to be sharing from Genesis chapter 13, where Abraham and Lot separate. And I know his name is Abram at this time, but just so I won't get confused, I'll be calling him Abraham throughout this podcast. So in this passage of scripture, this is when Abraham and his family had just re-entered Canaan after making a detour and maybe a not so wise detour to briefly visit Egypt. They had gone there because there was a famine in the land. So they went to Egypt to seek refuge and food. And you can read chapter 12 to find out how that went down. So while they were in Egypt, they amassed great wealth, livestock, silver, and gold. And so they returned back to Canaan around a region called Bethel. And there was a bit of a a conflict that broke out between the herders of Abraham and those of his nephew, Lot. So Abraham was faced with this choice regarding the limitations of the land. I always find it interesting how God called Abraham to this land that had so many problems. It had enemies living there. There was famine. The land couldn't sustain him and his nephew Lot. And it was war torn. Talk about some promise, right? Like why did God call him to this land? But I love how God is all about the plot twist. So a decision had to be made about this scarcity of land problem. Abraham took the risk of offering Lot the first choice of this real estate. And we see that Lot's eye fell to the east and it was a plain around the Jordan River, which he regarded like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So he chose this better portion for himself. We see this in Genesis 13, verse 10. So notice that Abraham is not stressing out about this situation. We don't see him fretting. We don't see him worrying, nothing of the sort. He trusts God to provide what he needs. And the fact that Abraham let Lot make the choice first was very telling about the kind of person that Abraham was. Genesis 13 verses eight through nine say, so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So Abraham is basically acting as a peacemaker by being generous with Lot in this way. He's not worried that he's going to be taken advantage of or left with a smaller piece of the pie, so to speak. And if he is, we have no indication that he's fretting about this. And the scriptures continue in verses 10 through 13, where it says, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the land destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. So Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. 
but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And you'll bookmark that information for later. But Genesis 13, 13 reveals that although Lot's decision was good for him financially, it was a disaster spiritually because of the location because he chose to live near Sodom. So his acquaintances, his neighbors, the people that he would be dealing with every day were not known for their upright or their moral conduct. Instead, it was widely known that they were very wicked and sinful. In choosing this lush land, Lot revealed that he did not have a lot of foresight or wisdom about how he and his family would be corrupted by the people of Sodom. That was not even on his radar at all, despite the fact that it says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. I don't think this is a detail that only we, the readers knew. I'm sure the people of the land knew this as well. So one bad decision led to another. Genesis 13 and 12 reveals the worst decision yet. And though he knew the people of Sodom were wicked and evil, he chose to live near them rather than separate himself from them. So it seems like Lot thought he was using wisdom in his choice. He chose the best to his eye, but he kept an arm's length from the evil city. I mean, it seems like the right thing to do, right? Get the best real estate, but kind of set yourself apart from those evil, wicked neighbors. It says he pitched his tent as far as Sodom, but he did not actually move into Sodom, at least not yet. And you'll often discover that those who ride the fence will soon sit on the fence. And then they're on the other side of the fence. Crazy how that always happens. As for Abraham, verses 14 through 17 say, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Have you ever noticed how in the scriptures there's always a separation or a cutting process before the covenant promise is announced? After Adam's rib was cut out, the covenant marriage between he and Eve happened. And then after Abraham separated from his country and family, he's given the covenant promise in chapter 12. And then again here, when he separates from Lot, he's given an addition to the covenant promise. Just something very interesting that I noted and something that you can look into and study as you're reading the Bible. So in chapter 12, the promise was only that the land would be given to Abraham's descendants. And then here in chapter 13, God adds three more things to this promise. First, there is the promise that Abraham would have countless descendants. Second, they would be given all the land that Abraham could see or set his foot upon. And then finally, it wouldn't just be a temporary possession, but they would possess the land forever. So there was much for Abraham to be encouraged about. He could have been feeling a little cheated. Like I say, we don't know. We are given no indication of how he felt about this division of the land. But he could have been feeling discouraged. Lot probably knew that God had promised this land to Abraham. And now Lot took the best of it for himself. So this is a prime opportunity for God to remind Abraham of the promise. All of this land will belong to Abraham and his descendants. God tells Abraham to look north, south, east, and west, and everything he sees will be his. Now, isn't that an awesome, abundant promise? So while Lot chose the city, 
he was also choosing boundaries. He was bound in physically by the gates and the parameters of the city and also spiritually by the sinful restrictions of that city. Sin always looks like freedom at first. But if you know the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, it's anything but. So Abraham let God choose for him and there were no boundaries in his provision. It was wherever his feet could take him. I love that about God, that he's such a limitless God. He's an exceeding abundant God. And this week, my pastor taught on the phrase much more and how that's what God wants to give us. He's a much more God. And this is clearly evident that this is the nature of God. He wants to give us much more than our eye can see. In God's economy, the one who is first shall be last and the last shall be first. Lot should have known about this, right? The one who gives will receive and the one who takes, even what he has will be taken from him. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. When he finds such men and women, he chooses them to receive great blessing and accomplish great things for his name. After receiving a reminder of this promise, Abraham responds with worship. Genesis 13 and 18 says, Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Now, Hebron was not that lush, green Jordan Valley like Lot shows, but it was a nice place to live as well. Here's how one historian described Hebron in Abraham's day. If Lot had the tropical luxuriance of Sodom, Abraham had the refreshing breezes of the hills, whose soft slopes were sprinkled with stretches of gray olives and picturesquely mingled groves of pomegranates, figs, apricots, and almonds, while round him spread waving patches of wheat and barley, varied by green gardens and vineyards so famous that the Jews believed the vine had been first planted by God's own hand on these fertile slopes. His flocks, moreover, had only to wander to the next heights, beyond this quiet retreat to have before them unlimited upland pastures. Unlimited pastures. That's exactly what God gave to Abraham. Meanwhile, Lot soon began to see the restrictions of his choice. He literally chose greener pastures. What looks like greener grass to us often isn't. We have to guard against thinking that bigger is always better and trust God with what he wants to give us. God had a plan and a place for Abraham, and he has a plan and a place for you too. You don't have to go seeking your own greener pastures. The Lord will provide. Abraham trusted this, and you and I have to trust this as well. And you can see his trust displayed when he built an altar to the Lord. Abraham believed God would make good on his promises. He didn't feel the need to fight Lot or battle for his own preferences. This is contentment in action. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate provision from God. We don't necessarily have a piece of land, although some of you may own land, but we have a person in the form of Jesus Christ. God gave his son for you and I, and he died and he rose again to secure our place with him. That is why we can be content down here because we're not striving for something. God has already given it to us. We have him as our portion and our treasure. Chapter 13 ends with Abraham moved his tent and came down to the Oaks of Mamre. 
Now, Mamre means fatness. It's the place where there is ample supply. And there at Hebron, which means fellowship, Abraham built an altar to the Lord. It was in this place of fatness and fellowship that he was able to worship the God of the universe freely. We all live in a world like Abraham and lots. We we may not be dealing with land division disputes, but we're faced with material things vying for our attention every day, calling for us to make a choice, pick the best house, the best career, the best car, get the best out of life. Isn't that what the American dream is all about? But the best choice to the eye may not always be the best choice that God has for you. This is where you have to trust God. You can be with Lot and say, I want what the world offers me now. I want the cities of the plain. Or you can wait like Abraham and be content with your tent and your altar, enjoying the blessings of the land by faith now and waiting for God's fulfillment of all of his promises. God is always good on his promises. First Chronicles 4 and 10 says, Now Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. I thought of this passage of scripture as I was getting ready for this podcast. And Jabez asks for this. He asks for enlarged territory, something Lot didn't even think to do. But Abraham didn't even have to ask. God just honored him. And sometimes we can want what God offers more than we actually want God. We have to remember that God is our goal. Wherever he is, is where we should want to be, despite what's being offered. The grass is always greener where God is. Remember that. That's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. I pray that your heart was encouraged by these few words that I've shared out of the book of Genesis. And also, I want to make a quick announcement that during the month of August, I will be taking a bit of a hiatus. I have some plans in the works that include this podcast. So I want to take time off to prepare for that. So I'll be making an announcement about that in the next coming weeks. So make sure that you follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Unfolding Words and on Twitter at Unfolding underscore Words. So if you follow me, I'll be making announcements about some upcoming projects in the next few weeks. And remember, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. That is such a blessing to me when you do that, because it lets other people know that you are enjoying the show and they will as well. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review. There's a link in the show notes. And be sure to hit subscribe if you haven't already. I'm here every Monday and I want you to be here with me also. Thank you so much for listening to Unfolding Words this week. I'll see you back here next Monday. Until then, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.